0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we are talking about The Bad Batch, season two. Guys, there's so much TV coming out right now that we're going to be talking about. It's the most recent one as of today. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, We got a lot to talk about. Aaron McGowan is joining me as always, and Danielle of Written in the Star Wars is also coming in. We're going to have so much to say. We promise we won't spoil The Mandalorians until the bonus content at the end, there's a lot about The Bad Batch. Let's get into it in just a moment right after this. Welcome back. This is Matthew, your host, They, Them Pronouns. And I'll let my two guests introduce themselves for starting with Erin, our regular co-host for All Things Bad Batch.
1: Hey, I'm Erin McGowan. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm just excited to talk about this episode. It was really good.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And also joining us is Danielle, who if you're anywhere on Twitter talking about The Last of Us, Mandalorian or Bad Batch, you've probably come across already written in the Star Wars. Danielle, go ahead and introduce yourself.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Danielle. She, her pronouns. And I'm on TikTok at written in the Star Wars and Twitter at S 394 And I'm excited to talk about this episode.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, so let me start by asking, and Aaron, I know you've not seen The Mandalorian yet, so I'm going to ask this question without spoiling anything. Uh, But Danielle, I assume you have? Mm -hmm, Yes. Okay. What order did you watch them in? Um,
2: Well, I got screeners of The Bad Batch, so when uh, they come out newly and everyone gets to see them, I watch The Mandalorian first because my boyfriend Mm -hmm. has to work in the mornings. I live in the UK, so it comes out at... 8 a.m., 7 a.m. right now because of the time, the daylight savings. And um, he wants right. to watch The Mandalorian first, and then we watch The Bad Batch after that since I've already seen that episode.
0: Okay. But you'd seen The Bad Batch beforehand because, mm-hmm. so maybe this is just me. And again, I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm just going to say the episode we got of The Mandalorian is. Fairly intense and and gives a lot of new information about new parts of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And I've complained about it before, but I felt like this week was the time when I was most aware of the problems of having them both come out at the same day. Because this Bad Batch episode is a lot of fun. And it does some interesting character growth. It's also mostly an adventure episode. Mm -hmm. and. I, I, I refuse to use the F word in terms of these kind of things. I don't think that's true. I think that's a great kind of episode to have for the Bad Batch. But for me, coming right after this episode of The Mandalorian, where all I want to do now is like just think about like all the issues that are being brought up, this felt like kind of a downer. Or not even a downer, but just a like... I, I, I was in just such a different mind space. And so I'm curious for for you all, how is it, ha, have you been having any kind of similar issues about like the two of them coming out at the same time or kind of what you generally think about that? And it sounds like neither one of you is watching them both at the same time the way I did, but I just want to kind of get your general thoughts because it. I, I get why Disney does it, that they want to have Wednesdays as just the Disney release day, but it, I've never loved it. And today, especially just the, the two episodes seem so off tone from each other.
2: Yeah, I think... Personally, I think it does a disservice to both shows to have them come out the same day, because like we talk about last week's episodes, um, the Bad Batch was I think they were both really great. But I think that the Uh last week's episode and the week before the Bad Batch was a little bit above the Mandalorian and yeah. in terms of like intensity and in terms of emotion and things like that and not to say that it was better but it just offered a little bit more and i think it's it's unfair that that is kind of getting sidelined because animation always gets sidelined when it comes to yeah. live action and there are a lot of people who are going to choose to watch The Mandalorian first and if they only have time to watch one, then they might not watch The Bad Batch until the next day even or that weekend. And I think it's it's unfair to both episodes because you have we end up comparing them regardless of yeah. if we want to or not. And because you're right, this this week especially was such different tones between The Mandalorian and The Bad Batch, and it's hard to shift between that so quickly. Usually you can give yourself like a day or two to kind of process it and then be ready for something else. But yeah, it's hard, especially when numbers matter so much to streaming mm-hmm. right now. Like what if the bad batch kind of falls behind on that animation is always the first to get cut. And that worries me too. So I'm worried about kind of, you know, our ability to process it and also the responsibility I think we feel to watch these episodes so quickly so that those numbers count. And Mm -hmm. it's just something that could be solved if they had like a Wednesday and a Friday release. I think that would be nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't love it, I currently have a nice kind of situation worked out where I get up early and I watch the Bad Batch, go to the gym, come back, watch Bad Batch again, really getting those streaming numbers in there. (laughs) Um, And then we record and I go straight to work and then I watch the Mandalorian after work. So I have a Mm. bit of space in between. So it doesn't feel like they're back to back being Mm. compared to each other as much. But that's not the case for most people. So it does kind of suck. It's like, well you're just going to be comparing these two things. And of course, like Danielle said, the animation is going to fall behind.
0: For sure. And I think the other problem that I have, because yeah, I what I tend to do is watch Mandalorian and then Bad Batch because I record on Bad Batch first with, with you all. And so I want to have Bad Batch more foremost in my mind. And I think, and, and granted, this is a problem that like, if you're not a chronically online person, <laughs> yeah. the way at least uh, some of us may well be, like this may not be an issue for you. and And I applaud that but for me one of the i like to know what other people are thinking i like to know the conversations and so i want to go on twitter to find all of the spo- all of the comments about one and then have to risk getting spoiled about the other. Yeah. Um, which is why I really appreciated, Danielle, when you interrupted your Oscar discussions to talk about The Last of Us episode finale as it came out. <laughs> While I was watching the Oscars, I was able to just mute you for that hour <laughs> yeah. and then be like, OK, now back <laughs> Get her to out of here. <laughs> all the raving and everything everyone wants. So anyway, it's just a thing. Re- uh, listeners, I'm curious what you all think about it. Um, but I think, Danielle, you're right that th- the biggest harm is that we should be seeing these two shows as completely separate shows. So, with that little bit of griping out of the way, let's get into it. Um, what do we think of this episode of The Bad Batch?
2: I loved it. I I think one thing Clone fans are always wanting is just a little bit of peace. Yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. bit of, you know, rest for our boys and for Omega and Getting that in this episode was so nice, especially after the emotional trauma of last week with crosshair. Um, to have a break from that and just get a little levity. And I think that's something the Bad Batch is really good about doing. And I think it's because mm-hmm. it's geared towards kids, because they give you a really emotional episode and they're like, Okay, we're gonna give you some time to breathe. Here yeah. is a nice rest, here is a nice peaceful moment. Uh, For our characters and for you. And I appreciate that so much because you don't want... Like Andor was hard-hitting after hard-hitting after hard-hitting. And that Mm -hmm. gets exhausting after sometimes. So it's nice to have a rest.
0: It really does. Yeah, I think we all joke about how... Like, now that I'm on Star Wars Twitter and TikTok, there are so many posts that are like, Hey... Have you thought about this thing that you probably never made this connection, but once you do, it will break your heart? <laughs> Aren't you glad I hurt you like that? And we're all like, yes, hurt me more, TikTok, Twitter. Um, and so, yeah, having this episode that is just a, a pretty happy story, there's some danger, but the, the danger is completely natural. There's no, like, empire attacking. There's nothing. It's just they're on a planet that's having a, a, a big wave that they got to mm-hmm. deal with and a lot of character growth that happens around that.
1: Yeah. I liked that a lot because, you know, they were talking about, oh, we're a peaceful planet, you know, not many resources, no reason for the Empire to come here. And then when Hunter kind of noticed something was going wrong, you know, used his spidey senses. (laughs) I was like, if the Empire rolls up, I'm gonna be kind of pissed off. Yeah, like, I'm gonna be pissed off. Like, there's no reason. And it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. And I was so glad that like the danger, the like excitement of the episode was a natural disaster. Because it just felt so much better for this episode. Yeah, I was really worried when I first watched
2: it that they were going to be responsible for the Empire showing up, like Mm -hmm. you said. And I was like that, no, that will break me because (laughs) they need somewhere that they can Let them have peace. Yeah, and I don't want them to feel guilty because how guilty would all of them feel, but especially Omega? And I just like, I just want them to have a place that's kind of a a solace for them because, you know, they had Sid's place, but their relationship with Sid isn't great right now and they need something that where they're appreciated for who they are and where they can actually use their skills for something that is productive and helpful and not just a means to an end.
0: Yeah. So let me give you a quick plot summary, although it's going to be very quick because there's not much of a plot. It's mostly just some fun action and a lot of great character moments. We start with Fee and Omega trying to negotiate a deal to sell one of the things she wants to sell. The people who are trying to buy it from her actually turns out Oh surprise, they're trying to just take her down and steal it from her. But she they they say, you know, did you really bring any you didn't bring enough muscle, did you? And then surprise, the whole bad batch is there. She did bring enough muscle. There's a fun fight scene, some great lines, and they take off. And then during the as they're kind of fleeing away, Fi is talking to them about how they really do need some peace, as you guys were talking about. She talks about how Omega needs kids her age, some friends who aren't just the bad batch. And she says, hey, let's go to this planet that, that I know about. And the planet's name is Pabu, which is the name of the episode as well. Uh, I did get it in here eventually. It's season 2, <laughs> episode 13. See, I do my research like a good podcast host. <laughs> um, and on the planet, they discover that uh, this guy who's the mayor of the town, who has a daughter, who calls her auntie, but I think it's pretty clearly he's not Fee's brother. I think it's just more like, you know, you yeah. call yeah. all the friends and family aunt, because uh and we have, I think, for the first time, the other characters acknowledging that Fee and Tech are uh, flirting with each other, yes. and Wrecker, <laughs> in the very like <laughs> o- older brother, being like, "Ah, look, you got some competition there, boy." <laughs> Love uh, that. Which is yeah. hilarious. We'll talk more about their romance moments because they have some great ones. Um, and then they just kind of settle in, and they get shown around the the shown around this little island sanctuary. During which there's a couple more great lines about like what's happening post the empire during the empire and all that, and then Fee and uh, her new friend go out on a boat, kind of to explore the waters somewhat, and then oh no, the ground is trembling, and yeah, like you all, I was like, oh, don't let this be the empire, don't let this be the empire. Turns out, no, it is just a big wave. Uh, I, I thought either it's the empire or B, it was a. The, the Bad Batch are right not to trust anything because nothing is good as it is. Like, I thought we were going to get some evil secret hmm. regarding Fee's friend. Uh, I thought it know, was going to be a sea monster. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's going to be what?
1: I thought it might be a sea monster. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> that could be it, too. Yeah, they have peace because they sacrifice some people to sea monsters and stuff like that, whatever that's it is. dark. OK, that's a little dark for, for the Bad Batch, but you know what I mean. But no, it was none of that. It was just a big wave. And then the Bad Batch all came together to help rescue people, including especially Omega needed help, but they're able to rescue her. And then they talk about how they have to fix the damage. And the Bad Batch says, yeah, OK, we'll stick around to, to help fix the damage. That And that's pretty much the whole plot. Mm-hmm. So shall we dive into the romance novel of it all? Yes.
2: <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Um, I was so worried because you know, I've, I've known this for a while and I was so worried that people would be upset about it. And I think some people are. <laughs> you, you're uh-huh. always going to have that. Really? you know, When people attach themselves really tightly to a character, um, there will always be those who don't want to see them be partnered up. Um, which is unfortunate because I think this is a really beautiful thing, uh, especially I've seen people talk about how, how great it is that of all the members of the batch, it's Tech who's getting a love, mm-hmm. a love interest. And I love yeah. that for him because he's so often misunderstood and so often uh, you know, made fun of that it's nice to have a character that sees him for who he is and doesn't push him, appreci- meets him mm-hmm. where he's at. And you can tell that that is that's getting to him. That is he's mm-hmm. opening up, and he's maybe seeing the possibility of something for the first time. And I love that for him.
0: There yeah. was one line in particular that felt so very much tech, which and, and to me was the heart a heart of the romance. And by the way, I love romance novels. I love rom coms. I didn't say that to be at all um, derogatory and it's when she 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 shows him this thing where all the people on the on the island are lighting up these lanterns and she says pretty spectacular right and he says i suppose that is one way to quantify it yeah and like mm-hmm. in another show now we're going to laugh at him that he refuses to let go of this need to quantify everything mm-hmm. as someone who is neurodivergent i loved that so much because to me that is it's not him refusing to let go. That is just how his brain works. Yeah. But instead of rejecting her thing, instead of saying like, oh, there's no way to measure spectacular or there's no way to, you know, instead of her, he is listening to her and taking her observation and putting it into the framework that his mind creates in order to sort of say, yeah, and like – spectacular isn't a way to quantify anything Mm -hmm. but but he's acknowledging it and he's taking it in he's and he to me that is such a she has allowed him to feel safe enough that he can now also try and understand her even though what she says often doesn't make sense the way his brain works and i just thought that was so romantic so beautiful so powerful for neurodivergent representation Mm -hmm. um i just loved it all over the place
1: yeah I really love their pairing, and it's nice because it's just, like, it's so sweet and subtle. Like, of course, it's it's there, definitely, but, like, like you said, she, like, understands him and meets him where he's at, and she doesn't get frustrated with him when he doesn't understand or, like, say things the same way. Like, when they're talking about Omega um, back on the ship, she says she needs friends, one's her own age, who don't share her genetic profile, and tech goes we never had such a thing i do not see the issue right and she goes no kidding (laughs) she's just like yep that makes sense like i'm not gonna fight you on it like of course that's what you think Mm -hmm. and then when they get to pabu and she introduces them to shep and his daughter liana and shep's like okay like i'm gonna make you some food like let's go to eat And she's like, can't say no to Shep's famous feast. Lots of food, drink, and general merrymaking. She looks at Tech and goes, you'll probably hate it. It'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like the little acknowledgments of like, she does know him. Like, she understands him. She's like, this isn't going to be your thing. But like, we're going to have fun anyways.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I may be wrong here. Isn't it Tech who is the one to say, like, after he's already said that he doesn't see the point, that he is the one who acknowledges that Omega is laughing in yeah. a way that they haven't heard that for so was really long, sweet which it felt too. it was so sweet. Yeah, it, I think it's a perfect word for it because it's him. It, it, he doesn't say it, but he's admitting he's wrong. Yeah, you know, he's saying like, "Oh, I didn't know there was a point, but I'm seeing emotions from other people that show me I'm wrong."
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that this is just another continuation of tech from episode nine. Uh when they're when he and Omega have that really sweet heart to heart and we've seen since then that he really is trying to to acknowledge people's feelings about things better than he was before. And I love that they didn't just have that be a one-off. Like it's not just in that episode or in the immediately after episode, it's a continuation throughout. And so they're paying attention to this and they're building up Tech's character and his growth to the point where it's it's not even it's not just omega that he's applying these new communication skills with it's other mm. people in his life including fee and he's doing that without changing himself he's not changing he's just he's evolving i think he's adapting to environments and adapting to other people while staying true to who he is and i i feel like it could have very easily gone the other way but they've written him so well And this was just like perfect proof of that for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Can we talk about Sid for a minute? Because (laughs) the way she get they get a transmission from her, and it's clearly not like an active transmission. It's something she sent and recorded, and now they're watching. So she can't see them or anything, but they play it, and she's like hey, I haven't heard from you guys in, like, 20 rotations. Like, you better be dead because you've cost me some score. <laughs> it's like, don't forget, we have, like, a mutually beneficial agreement and, like, how much we know about each other. And don't think I'm just threatening you because, like, I'll get you kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was so funny how, like, the transmission kind of would garble and, like, get deep. So she'd be like – it was like, oh, and don't forget – how much we know about each other. Yeah. And I like to imagine that it wasn't a bad connection, but it's Sid strategically using a voice modulator to make herself sound scarier. Mm-hmm.
0: I like that. I like you better it.
1: be dead. <laughs> like...
0: Yeah, it was such a great moment for her. And I like. on the one hand, I kind of wanted her to be nicer, but I think this is a, a fitting depiction of where she would go uh, that we've had of her over over the course of the season. Especially in, like, I think the Bad Batch basically ghosted her. And this <laughs> is a good reason to show why you do that. Because she ain't getting the hint, you know? And, like, um, yeah, I just, I love that. And I, my guess is that something with Sid is probably going to be one of the sort of big finale things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be curious how, which is always that kind of like. Because, like, I want Crosshair to get back united with them. And I think there's going to be some kind of bad batch against the Empire confrontation at some point may well be in this season. But if it winds up just being a big fight against Sid and her people, I wouldn't hate that. I would kind of Mm -hmm. love if it just sort of stays on. This season is much more about being off the radar of the Empire.
1: Yeah. And they almost foreshadow that a little bit Mm because they have, you know, that and Fee's like, oh, I didn't know you kept ties with Sid. And they're just kind of like, Hunter Mitt's like, yeah, I mean, we like ghosted her. We're just like, <laughs> we're kind of done. Like, this is our plan. You're seeing it. Mm-hmm. And Fee's like, yeah, Sid can be a powerful ally, but she's not really someone you want to cross. So they're kind of really putting out there that, like, yeah, she's probably going to get them in some way or another. Yeah. yeah. I like that
2: Fee isn't involved in that because uh, I was worried. Uh, You know, building up to this, I really liked V, but I was always kind of like, is there going to be, like, is the other shoe going to drop at some point? Mm -hmm. And she's going to, like, be allied with Sid far more than we've seen. But I always forget that in Star Wars, one common theme between pirates is that they don't really ally themselves with the person they work for usually like they're, they're for themselves and Mm -hmm. they, we saw that with Hondo and we're seeing that with fee. I think that she actually does have a moral compass and to the point where she knows that Sid isn't trustworthy at fully trustworthy anyway, because she doesn't even tell her about Pabu and that's how we know it's a safe place because not even Sid will be able to find them there. And I like that. Seeing that kind of um, Fee has her own her own reasons for doing things, and it's not fully based mm-hmm. off of Sid.
1: Yeah, it was a nice separation of the two. Because mm-hmm. I kind of had the same fear about like, oh, when is when is Fee gonna like flip on them? Like, yeah. I had written in my yeah. notes, Fee seems to be looking out for them, and I wrote that with the intention of probably having to write later. Never mind. Just <laughs> kidding. Something bad happened, and I didn't yeah. have to. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think they've established for a while that you sort of have this this axis of scum and villainy, with like a Hondo Anaka at one end and Cad Bane at the other. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that goes all the way back to like you know Han Solo versus Greedo or, or Jabba. And it, it's nice kind of seeing where where these two are falling. Um, but also that they're not they're not that simplistic. You know that they're both going to have more complexity than that. Can we just talk about Fee a little more in terms of the line? Uh, no, it's actually Omega who says this about her. She's not a pirate; she's a liberator of ancient <laughs> artifacts. Mm-hmm. Oh no, ancient wonders. Sorry, ancient wonders. Yes,
2: I love Omega and Fee's relationship. Um, it's amazing. I, I think I said this last time I was on that. It's so nice for Omega to have female role models because she's surrounded by men all day, every day. (laughs) And as Mm -hmm. much as, you know, I'm sure she loves that. She loves her brothers. She wouldn't want it any other way. There is something about her when she's around fee, like she's able to be a little bit more free, a little bit more excited about things. Like she doesn't have so much responsibility on her shoulders when she's around fee. And I love that for her because she's getting to explore a different, a different side of herself. And fee encourages that she sees, Mm -hmm. And she tells, like, when she tells Tech and the rest of the batch, Omega needs friends her age. She's advocating for Omega because, you know, as much as her brothers love her, they're still guys. They're still adults right now. They don't know. Mm -hmm. They never had a childhood, unfortunately. And so they don't know what Omega might need. And Fi does. And I love that she isn't afraid to kind of just be like, hey, this kid needs something that you aren't providing for her right now. Here's how you can do it.
0: Yeah. what other things that came out this episode that y'all wanted to comment on
1: I had written down tech really is an iPad kid <laughs> just because they're sitting at dinner and he's just like boop 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 on his data pad Yeah. <laughs> so she was right he probably hated it so he was just chilling on his data pad <laughs> um, mine
2: was sorry I'm looking it up right now Um, I love that Hunter, his growth continues to be explored in small ways. I think I talked about this last time. And one of those Mm -hmm. for me was season one, Hunter never would have let Omega go on that boat ride by herself. (laughs) And he would have been panicking when that wave happened. And instead he trusts her ability to work with him to get her to safety and to get liana to safety and we saw how well that dynamic is now
1: and i just i love Mm -hmm. this little continuation of that yeah one thing i noticed oh sorry Go ahead. one thing i did notice about that scene also is when she's can i go he's like yeah go have fun and i was kind of waiting for the be safe be careful call me if anything's wrong (laughs) but it was just to have fun and i just Mm -hmm. really loved
0: that And that there wasn't at the end any moment of him saying to her or to the others, see, I shouldn't have let her go. See, we should be more safe. It was just like, yeah, we let her go. There are dangers. One of those dangers occurred much more than we thought. And everything worked out okay. Like, I don't think there's any, I don't think he would tell her not to go the next time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to talk about Shep for a second, who, by the way, first of all, I did have a moment of. Please, God, don't make this a love triangle. And they didn't at all. It seemed like whatever <laughs> Wrecker was seeing was wrong. Fee and him mm-hmm. don't have that kind of thing, yeah. at this point at least. But I just loved his character, especially because there were two lines he said that to me were so significant in a kind of blink where you miss them way. One of which was—and I'll, I'll kind of stop after each one and let you guys jump in. The first one was those, that he's talking about the people who come to this place, this refuge he's made. And he says— those forced to leave their homes during the war and those after. Mm. Which, it's just a subtle way of pointing out, like, yes, there's a huge refugee crisis during the Clone Wars, but we're a year into the Empire and it's not better. And there's Mm -hmm. still people needing to run away and needing to come here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that that was such a... It's a it's a beautiful idea that there is this refuge available to people. And as heartbreaking as it is that there needs to be, it's so nice to see that it's there. And I think that speaks a lot to what Tech says a few episodes earlier to Omega is that there are are always people like us who are willing to help and who are willing to do something. And this is still, even though this planet or these people aren't fighting against the Empire, they kind of are in their own way. They are... Providing uh, solace to people who can't find that in the empire, and that in itself is its own form of rebellion, I think. And the ability to find happiness and peace in a galaxy that currently is everything, but and I love, I love that idea that there is this place for everyone to find solace.
0: There's an off quoted line that I'm probably going to mangle and not remember who actually said it, but the. The idea of you can fight the darkness or you can like shelter the light. Mm. And I feel like that's kind of, he's very much on that. Like, yeah, he's fighting the empire not by going out and fighting them, but by saying, like, here's going to be a place where the laws of the, the, the ideas and the laws and all the, the values of the empire do not apply.
2: Yeah.
0: And that I think is a good leading to the second thing I, that he said. And here I don't remember the exact wording, but it's just the idea that he came across where they are all set after the wave has hit. And the Bad Batch is saying, like, well, I know there's a lot of property damage. We need to help you with that. And he basically says property is not as he, – he sort of says, you know, property damage is not important. What's important is that none of our people were hurt. Yeah. And just the idea of putting people above property, you know, I'm sure some people are going to call Star Wars woke for this yet again <laughs> because it is a little bit on the nose in terms of stuff on our in our own world but in a way I think is good. Because it's an idea I think is really true. And to me, that's also so much of a, like, this is not, the Empire says the opposite. And here we're saying, like, property can be fixed, but people can't.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that's also a really powerful thing for the Batch to hear. Because as clones, they they were always property. And they mm-hmm. were treated as property. They weren't treated as people. Maybe not by the Jedi, but by the Republic and now by the Empire. And I think it's a really powerful thing for them to see someone taking the opposite stand and saying, as long as there are people still here, as long as they didn't get hurt, that's truly what matters. And I think that, you know, they want to hear that and they want to be a part of that, which is why they decide to stay. Yeah,
1: it's such a stark contrast to last episode Hmm. where we saw the property was put directly above clones lives, even though it was something as small as armor. It's like even the least of properties is more important than their lives, like yeah. in the Galactic Republic mm-hmm. and in the Empire.
2: That's such a good point, Aaron, because I think what is it that Nolan said last episode? Um, he called the clones used equipment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to have that mm-hmm. direct parallel, I didn't think about that, but to have one character in the previous episode call... Humans, or I guess maybe not humans, considering how you view clones, but living beings used equipment and then have another character in this episode, you know, strongly imply that property is not important, but these lives are more important.
1: That's very powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so.
1: One thing I kind of saw and liked about this episode, it, I noticed it like halfway through the first time I watched it. And then really noticed it the second time, but the batch isn't in their armor. Yeah. They're all wearing like little Yeah. Oh, you're almost right. like flight suit tunicky things. And the yeah. the color scheme is similar. Hunter still has his scarf. So it it was subtle, but it was like it just felt like a step away from the soldier and towards mm-hmm. more like of this family dynamic they're going for. Because I mean like once they we're on Pabu, and like you said, they said, oh, Hunter said, we're gonna stay, and we're gonna help clean up. But to me, that felt like a veil, or almost like an excuse, because he wants to stay for Omega, yeah. and for them, you know? They saw Wrecker at this feast, and he's like, ugh. Hunter's like, what's wrong? He's like, I'm full. <laughs> I've never been full. And Tech goes, oh, it was so funny, Tech goes, I'll note the date and time to, com- <laughs> to commemorate such a monumentous Occasion. Yeah. Why is that so hard for me to say?
0: And Star Wars has now confirmed that the dessert stomach, as separate from the regular stomach, yep. exists in that galaxy far away.
2: And there's space sushi. <laughs> mm. I also have in my notes one thing. I was like, oh OMG, space sushi.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. love it. But you're right. I, I hadn't picked up on that. So, Aaron, thank you so much for pointing that out. Mm-hmm. And what it reminds me of is something I don't think we commented on much when it happened. Uh, But in last episode, as well as a couple episodes earlier, we've seen the regs, regular clones, not in their armor, but in kind of like generic Imperial officer, or not even officer, but like, you know, just kind of like the hats and the generic Imperial uniforms, um, Mm -hmm. which also felt like a really interesting move in that direction uh, of sort of like, on both sides, the clones are are moving away from their military role into something else.
2: Yeah, and changes how they view themselves and how they view the world around or the galaxy around them, too, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, this is why I'm so glad I'm doing this, because I ended that episode thinking, oh, Mandalorian was so good. Nothing really happened. And we're going to barely have anything to talk about. And here we're well past the half hour I like to normally shoot for. <laughs> and there's so much more we can go into because, yeah, even this episode, which, you know, again, refuse to use the F word, but a lot of people <laughs> will probably call it that. It's a very simple plot, but so much happens in terms of the way the dialogue, the story, every just what people are wearing reveals about where our characters are going and what's happened to them.
1: What do I you know. Mean, th- oh go ahead, Aaron. I was just gonna say, I mean, if you wanted to talk about clones for more than a half hour, there's no two better people to have <laughs> on your podcast. Like
0: This is very true. Yeah. I could sit here true. all day.
1: Yeah.
2: Um I was also going to say not to tie in the last of us to this but there's a term that one of the creators has used frequently um and it's called emotional action when there's not physical action a lot of people like to say that nothing happened but you can have a lot of emotional action in an episode to replace that and that is every bit as important if not more important than the physical stuff and i feel like this episode of the bad batch really relied on emotional action on a softer level and not as Mm -hmm. intense as say you know last week's episode i would say still has emotional action as well but in this one it's more of a like a peaceful emotional action it's like this is this is what peace could look like and Here's how people who have never known that react to it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's such an important thing because we take peace for granted, I think, a lot. And what does this look like to someone who's never had the privilege of experiencing that? I
0: think it's a great point. Um, is there anything else we want to say about this? I'll say for our patrons, we're going to have a special little bonus section where we are going to talk a little bit about this week's episode of Mandalorian with Danielle. We will be doing our own regular episode with Ashley Coffin that will be recording later today and putting out late tonight or tomorrow morning. But there's one particular thing that happened in this episode that I think Danielle has a little bit she wants to comment on. So stick around for that. But but just to wrap up with Bad Batch, Danielle or Aaron, is there any last things you wanted to comment on? Yes. Aaron, I know Um, you normally have a list.
1: Yes, I do. But just two little tech moments. Um, First off, when they were in the cantina, it was Wrecker and Hunter and Omega and Fee fighting these bad guys, these scoundrels. And they radio back to Tech on the ship. And he's sitting there (laughs) playing a game of space chess on top of (laughs) Gonki. And he says to Gonki, like, of course I'm playing by myself. This is the only way the game is interesting.
0: (laughs) So good. I
1: loved that so much. Tech is, is so, so funny. I love he's it.
0: He's so not funny. even
2: trying to be, and that's the best part is that he's like, yeah. well duh, no one else can keep up with me.
1: This is the only way I have fun. I have to entertain <laughs> myself like yeah. I'm watching the ship.
0: <laughs> and the fact that it's to gonk, or I think it's true to anyone, but the fact that he's basically alone in the ship except for a single verb, single single word uh communicating droid. <laughs> He's not bragging in the slightest. Yeah. He's not showing off. He's just <laughs> stating an objective fact yeah. as he understands it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which means that I do feel like by the end of the season, I need Fee to beat him in that game. Yes. But, oh, yeah. my
1: God. That would be amazing. That would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One other, or The last little thing I have was just the little romantic in me was so happy when... They were like, oh, these people aren't gonna be able to make it up to Upper Pabu in time. And Fee's like, oh, there's emergency ladders like up on top of the wall. Like we just have to release them. And I was like, dang, they're really about to run up there faster than anyone else? Like you think you're gonna do that? <laughs> and then Tech pulled out his grappling hook and like, cha! And he was like, hang <laughs> on. And I was like, yes, I love this trope. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It was so good.
1: I love
2: that. It was kind of um, like a Attack of the Clones callback, a New yeah. Hope callback too. Tech gets mm-hmm. tech gets to be the tech gets to be the main guy. The and hero. I love that for yeah. him.
0: <laughs> so actually I keep wanting to wrap this up for time, but there's one more question I gotta ask I have both of you on here. We talked before about how we were sad that Echo was leaving for a while, but that we gotta understand some ways it would make sense. Do you think we could get this much tech development if Echo was still here? Because I, I feel like as much as I didn't like Echo leaving, tech being the one kind of nerdy geek on his own, and Echo's different to sure, but they're so similar. I feel like we really needed Echo out of the way for tech to really be able to shine like this. But I'm curious what you all think.
2: I don't know. It's it, That's an interesting question because my immediate reaction is to be like, no, this could happen with Echo there. But all the times we've seen Tech's emotional growth has been when Echo isn't there. And mm. I don't know if that was intentional on the writer's part or not, but I am grateful that we have this. I am a little salty that we don't have a similar thing for Echo. Um, hopefully, we'll get that. Either, you know the rest of the season, you know that we have three episodes mm-hmm. left or um, in the next season if we get one. And I don't know. like it's, a, it's an interesting don't question say if
1: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> It's an interesting question and I hope I hope that they're doing this now so that if Echo comes back, I want him to be back with the batch. Um, that we don't have to worry about developing tech as much as we had to before. And so that there yeah. is space for them to be their own separate people more than they
1: were before, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it really does. Yeah, and I think um, I think they definitely could have done this growth with Echo there, but it would have felt similar to last season where we're mm. ignoring Echo. Yeah, and I would have hated yeah. that. You yeah. know, and so it almost not only does it give an excuse to focus on tech. It also gives a catalyst for why he's examining his emotions more Yeah, because yeah. this difficult and emotional thing happened. And I currently am 100% sure that we're going to get something like this with Echo, whether it's a couple standalone episodes with Echo and Rex or whether he comes back to the batch in the next season. Um, I have enough trust in Filoni currently <laughs> that he can deliver that for us and... Um, If they neglect my sweet domino baby through this whole show, I (laughs) will be sending strongly worded emails.
0: I mean, I I will back that up. This is a pipe dream, and I don't want to put this in too many people's minds, but celebration, they announced the Rex show.
2: (laughs) Oh, gosh. See, this is why I have to be at the Bad Batch panel. You have to... I have to yeah. be. I am already was like, so a bunch of my mutuals who are going as well were like, we're getting you in there. We're getting you in there. I was like, I will repel from the ceiling down in there like Hunter yep. did a few episodes back. If I have to. Yep. I'm getting in there.
0: I love you it. You've got to live
1: it. tweet it, girl. <laughs> we,
0: we will be ready to retweet everything you said. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both so much. Uh, as I said, we're going to stick around for a few minutes to do... Uh, some talk about the uh, Mandalorian, a particular thing that Danielle I don't want to talk about. We're also going to, uh, Danielle's doing double duty today. Actually, both, all of us are doing double duty today because now we're going to record an episode about The Last of Us, which as though we didn't have enough uh, awesome TV happening at the same time. Uh, Pedro Pascal has been very busy the last couple of weeks uh, rescuing the little children in his life. <laughs> um, so, uh, but before then, as you said, you, you both are so ac- active on other social media like TikTok and Twitter. Erin, uh, you've been doing some great stuff around cosplay recently. Tell us about where we can find you.
1: Yes. Okay. You can find me at Lady Tano Creates. All one word. Tano is te. T-A-N-O, as in Ahsoka Tano, obviously. Um, and, yeah, I'm working on a new set of Leku for Ahsoka. That's her headdress kind of thing. And I, I made the foam. I got the sewing was my worst enemy, but I finally sewed two fabric slipcovers. And then, like, Sunday night, I went and I traced out the um, pattern on the leku. So now all I got to do is paint. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm equal parts terrified and excited to do it. um, But that will be coming within Hopefully within a week here. Um, Yeah, so if you guys want to see... That new addition to my collection, I like it a lot better than the ones I did before. It's a lot more flexible, a lot more realistic. I feel like a noodle head, and <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to debut it. So give me a follow if you have any interest in that. Oh, I'm on TikTok awesome. and Instagram under that same name.
0: Yep, and all that will be in the show notes. Uh, Danielle, what about yourself?
1: Uh, I'm on TikTok at Written
2: in the Star Wars and Twitter at Danny S three nine four, and it's all Star Wars and The Last of Us. <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. and uh, Temple of Geek that's where we can find your thoughts on The Last of Us yes
2: I wrote articles for almost all the episodes and those are all up at Temple of Geek under my name Danielle
0: awesome awesome Um, thank you both so much for being a part of this it's been so great to have you on Uh, can't wait to have have more talk talk about all these things Uh, as myself Matthew, the Ethical Panda. You can go to TheEthicalPanda.com to find all the ways to support this podcast, and more importantly, all the ways to let us know what you think. We love the feedback. I've been getting some great comments from people who didn't want their stuff right on the air, but have said some great things that have been trying to incorporate into these conversations. Uh, So whether you do or don't want to be quoted, please write in. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. We're doing a feedback episode. uh, It looks like probably at the end of this whole show, uh, but uh, definitely let let that all come in. And, of course, uh, as I've mentioned before, there are some changes coming to these podcasts in terms of your RSS feeds and where you download it. Everything will stay the same. Uh, I love the Stray Panda Network. There's some great podcasts happening there. These podcasts will be moving off of that to truestory.fm. For now, nothing really has changed, but I'll just say uh, if you're deciding that you may want to become a patron, hold off for a little bit. Trust me, it hurts, to, it hurts me to say that because I want your money uh, because I want for supporting all this. But hold on a second because we're going to have a membership program. You won't have to be a member. It's just basically another way of doing a Patreon-like thing to get special content like the one Danielle and I are about to record. So if you're not a patron, thank you so much for listening. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Please share this with others. Help us find more listeners and all that. And most importantly, have a good day.
1: Tech and pee forever. <laughs>
0: Welcome back, patrons. And patrons who've watched The Mandalorian, because as I said, there's going to be some big spoilers in this. Uh, if you haven't yet, uh, hit pause. This will still be waiting for you. But for those who have, Danielle, do you have a special message for uh, those people who saw The Mandalorian and might have seen one particular moment differently than you did?
2: Din fell into the living waters. He was not dragged. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I wasn't sure about it. At first I thought it had to be a creature. But then I saw the mythosaur being just, you know, so doing its own thing that yeah. I was like, I don't think something dragged him. But the level of just idiocy that came out against you. Like normally I'm not one to support spite, but ever like Just talk a little bit about what what that's been like the last week because you've got so many people who weren't just like, oh, I don't think so, but were so mad that you would imply that Din, the perfect perfectly (laughs) fleet-footed, would ever fall like that.
2: Yeah, and it wasn't just to me. It was other women as well who – like I wasn't even saying that that's absolutely what happened. I was just like it would be so funny and that's what it looks like that he just stepped off of – you know the ledge and just fell plummeted to the bottom and uh, I wanted like a comic with Bo-Katan being like "Uh, maybe you shouldn't go in with all your Beskar and then he falls and she's like oh well that's why Um, but yeah I just got some comments of people being like no it was the Mythasar it was the Mythasar. He the Mithasar pulled him down. He didn't fall. Uh, this is Dinjarin. And I'm like, exactly. This is Dinjarin. <laughs> he would absolutely fall. Whether it's from not paying attention or not thinking about it or the fact that he is very tired from being beaten up by yeah. that monster we saw previously and just refusing to take a break like Bogotan told him uh, he would absolutely do that and I think it's so funny that they confirmed it like it was confirmed I wasn't expecting them to to say one mm-hmm. way or the other and when I was watching the episode with my boyfriend they showed the um, the you know what happened last week and I said, look, he he fell. The mythosaur's not even doing anything. He had to have fallen. This is what I'm going to believe for, for now. And then immediately it was saying, waking up and not being like, oh, my God, something dragged me down there. Bo-Katan being like, oh, yeah, something dragged you down there. What happened? It was literally just like, yeah, I fell.
0: <laughs> yeah. I love that. I loved it so much. My, my only disappointment, I have to say, was... because." Hearing all those comments, like, and I was like, Yeah, I think Daniel's got a good point. And then watching all these idiot boys attack you, and yes, it was very gendered in terms of like who was attacking and who was, who was being attacked. Um, I certainly wrote something about like thinking maybe that happened and no one attacked me, can't imagine why. <laughs> um, but I started thinking more and more about it, and part of what I came to was, How awesome would it be if Bo Katan knew that would happen? Mm. Be- especially because this is. A, just if it's a prank, it's a beautiful <laughs> prank and it's totally what she would do. But also we have this interesting tension between the two of them of which one is the true Mandalorian, mm-hmm. you know? And mostly that's like, you know, him him and his people are the one who are like, no, you don't follow the creed. You're not of the way. You're not a real Mandalorian. And so what kind of – but she has some of that too in terms of like mm-hmm. you don't know the ways of the Darksaber and all that. Yeah. And what a great way for him to be like, no, I know this planet better than you do. I'm going to go dive into these waters that you've dove into before, but I know how to do it. I know everything that's going on. And her being like, all right, idiot. Like, do you know that all of us would take three steps down and then dive? Because we knew this. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, well, guess the creed didn't teach you everything.
2: When he says this episode, um, I didn't realize it would be that deep. (laughs) Because it wasn't. And, um, you know, Bo-Katan says, uh, well, it wasn't always that deep. It must have been when it was, you know, when the Empire destroyed the planet, it opened up some things. And that's probably where the Mythosar is coming from and everything. Um, But I just loved it so much. I love that they're they're not afraid to lean into this. You know, Din is very capable. He he can be very smart. But he can also just be some guy (laughs) who... Who doesn't know? And I love that. And I feel like one thing I also appreciate is that even though Din can act like he is the correct Mandalorian and Bo-Katan's not, I don't think he does it maliciously the way that Mm -hmm. some of the other followers of the Creed do. I think he genuinely likes Bo-Katan, and he respects her, and I don't think at this point he would ever say to her what he said back in season two, which was, you know, you are no Mandalorian. You've removed your helmet. I think he's he's seen now that there are different ways to be a Mandalorian, but he still needs to hold on to his belief in what a Mandalorian looks like to him.
0: I think that's largely true. And I, I certainly was thinking about that in terms of, like, what you're saying. Like, yeah, well, he, I don't think even in season two he was malicious, but he was certainly very judgmental. Yeah. Like, uh, he didn't have the disgust for her the way, like, Vizsla does. Yeah. But, yeah, I think his thoughts on her have evolved a lot. And, uh, so, a, 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 and, and it's beautiful to play that out. The end of this episode gives me a little bit of doubt. Because, like, I think there's a really beautiful story being told about... You know, you go to this group gives you refuge, but actually they're going to kind of expect you to be a part of their ways that are not. You know, like, and there could be a like I'm just being polite while I was staying with here story Mm -hmm. that that is one very interesting way to take it. There's an awful lot of history about you know food banks and homeless shelters and all that saying like, okay, anyone's welcome. Oh, but while you're here, we're going to baptize you. Mm. You know, while we're here, we're going to pull you into our particular more extreme version of faith and i have to believe that even if that's going to happen here that din didn't mean for that to happen because oh, yeah. like i i think that may should be in a conflict that din may realize that's happening and take her side um because you're right i feel like it would if that was my first thought was that didn't do this intentionally but i think you're right that that would erase all the stuff that that you were just talking about
2: yeah i definitely don't think he did that intentionally um I think there's a lot going on because when I watched it, I felt like Bo-Katan was finally feeling like she was being accepted in this moment after so long of you know her followers leaving her, uh, her continually failing to meet her purpose. And right. now all of a sudden, all these Mandalorians are accepting her and are clapping her on the shoulder and are welcoming her. And I thought that there was something very beautiful about that and something very off, I guess, about that yeah. in that it could go one of two ways. It can go either this will be a great new start for Bo-Katan and Den and maybe we'll see the, you know... a Combi- a combination of the creed and or the old Mandalorian ways and the new Mandalorian ways and I think maybe that is where it's going but it could also lead to conflict and I wonder if it'll be a bit of both uh I yeah. want Din and bo to work together I want bo to teach him how to use the white the black saber that's my mm-hmm. only hope
0: <laughs> yeah I think those are both legitimate. I think those are super legitimate. I think, and, and it is also very possible I'm projecting here because I'm I'm a Christian who's part of a more progressive part of the faith mm-hmm. who has spent most of my life, both being told directly that I'm not a true Christian because mm-hmm. I don't follow the way, which often involves hating other people, which is not very Christian, I think. But that's another story. Yeah. Um. And then in my family, uh, my I grew up in an interfaith fan and. Uh, so, I had that personally, and also have done a lot. Of, we got a lot of people to my church who were sort of refugees from mm-hmm. those kind of churches. Uh, and then in my family, I'm from an interfaith family. My father's Jewish, my mother's Christian. And on the Jewish side of my family, most of whom are Reform or some of, again, kind of the more progressive, less traditionally observant forms of Judaism Mm -hmm. seeing a lot of them get attacked by more Orthodox uh, or Hasidic or, you know, other groups like that being like, well, you're not real Jewish, you know? So I, I have a very strong like rejection of the, like, you know, the true way people pulling us in and being like, no, 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 you're technically us now. But I I love how they've written it because I think it could go in any direction. And I, I like the idea of both Din and Bo-Katan both feeling a little unsure about where they fit in all this and and turning to each other instead of one of their respective creeds.
2: Yeah, I think it would be great if they combined their beliefs into something new, you know, like, like yeah. you said, like something reformed, something that is more respective of people's choices and their you know, not being like, oh, you took your helmet off. You ha- you can no longer do this unless you do this. Right. Um, you know, just something that is a little bit more of what the Mandalorians need right now than yeah. either of their options.
0: Especially because, you know, the people, especially because, especially because the people of the covert, you know, the ones who follow the way, their whole idea of, you know, weapons are part of their religion, you know. Being fighters is essentially what they are to, to be Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Bo-Katan has already dealt with what happens when you reject someone who doesn't follow that. Yeah. In a character who they refuse to name in live action, <laughs> but I really hope they're going to. Yeah. Satine. Mm-hmm. And that for those who haven't seen The Clone Wars, that Satine wanted... I mean, the the timing's a little weird because they're talking about the children of the Watch being something that's been around for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. and I, And I get that. But a lot of what they were formed about, or at least was, were sort of reformed about, was when Satine, Bo-Katan's sister, wanted to, to sort of put move Mandalore past its martial past. Um, and so much of the way feels like it's it's in direct opposition to what Bo-Katan's sister was, was all about, yeah. that Bo-Katan herself was about. I feel like th- it would feel so weird for them not to bring that up. Yeah.
2: Yeah, hopefully. Satine mentioned when. Padme mentioned when. Why are they so afraid of mentioning these women in live action now?
0: (laughs) It'd be nice. It'd be nice. All right. Well, Danielle, as always, thank you so much. Um, Thanks. Thank you to everybody who's listening. If you want to hear more of Danielle, check out Superhero Ethics probably early next week because we're going to be talking about The Last of Us in just a few minutes. So thank you all for listening. And we have spoken.